Are those Whitney Simmons? Yes. Nice. Yeah. Whitney Simmons yes. X Gym shirt. <gasps> I've been feeling the need to buy new workout clothes. Oh. But my bank account is saying, don't do that. <laughs> Once in my life, I'm out of that phase. Oh, really? Hi guys! <laughs> my spit. That's I tubes. Clap. I'm Matt. <laughs> oh, we're here. Oh, we're here. <laughs> Sorry, I choked on my spit right as I clapped. It was, and then I just pushed forward. So yeah, we're so touched about slaps. Welcome <laughs> or whatever. Chaos. Oh, okay. This is, it's been a, we're a little bit rusty. It's been a few weeks since we've actually sat down to record. Yeah. And, uh, life's been stupid busy. Mm-hmm. But again, Very all good so. stuff. Try not to feel, try not to let stress, like, taint these memories right now. Mm-hmm. It's all good stuff. Yeah. It's just a lot all at once. Yeah. No, that's you good. Know? Yeah. So. Um, there is a bunch of construction happening right outside our window right now. So mm-hmm. if there's noises in the background, that's what it is. We got an air conditioner, so our house is livable, but that means the window has to be open. And they're, yeah. So there'll be construction for the foreseeable future <laughs> yeah. happening outside my house. Yeah. We really talked into existence saying we had to, like, <clears throat> your entire neighborhood's getting constructed right now. And Literally. They're like, yeah, well, everything. Construction season in Alberta. It's really fun to just watch them, though. Like, I literally just, like, sat in the guest room just on the bed that faces the construction field, and I was just, like, watching. You're just living your, like, housewife. <laughs> I was, like, <laughs> wait for the husband to come home, watch the construction workers. I was, like, sitting on my knees, like, perched on the bed, just, like, face plastered to the window. You just, just like to be wine drunk and, like, some lingerie. <laughs> literally, I was, like, hmm, what's going on? What is that doing? And then I was, like, watching. I don't know what anything's called, but... It was cool because I learned so much about how they work and where they go. And they just look like the front of most of the construction equipment out there, like the front of the dump trucks and the front of what I imagine are excavators. But I have no idea. Um, They just look like the front of tractors, but like the tractors from cars, but without the front wheels. So it's literally just the giant back wheels with like the nose of the tractor. But then it's like pulling a trailer. It's the weirdest thing. They're so funny. Yeah. I love them. Yeah. I just started seeing a guy who does heavy duty mechanics, so he'd mm-hmm. be able to tell you all of the exactly technical terms about, about it. everything. They look like the tractor from Cars. Their little noses yeah. are so cute. <laughs> 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 we are like, mm, okay, this is what it's called. You sound like an idiot. No, it's hilarious hearing like all the technical car terms. Because mm-hmm. that... That's where I feel dumb. Yeah. I don't feel dumb in a lot of circumstances, but listening yeah. to that, I'm like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. A what? Yeah. <laughs> Pardon moi? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to need to see a visual. I can't. Yeah. No. I can't pick this up just from this conversation. Oh, I'm the same way with framing. They're like, oh, yeah, we did blah, 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 blah. And I was like, mm. <laughs> we rolled the floor. And I was like, can't unroll a piece of, like plywood that's not how that works i don't understand i'm way too literal for this especially with them they use so much slang yeah of course they're talking about i think it's a compressor 
they just called it compi. They're like, oh yeah, we need the compi here and the compi there. And I was like, what the fuck is a compi? <laughs> and then I kind of like, sounds like a commie. Put two and two together. And then I was like, I think they mean compressor. <laughs> it sounds like commie. Literally. I was like, what the heck? Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. So. All right. Come I can't remember us. if I announced it. This is book club. But yes. Book club number eight. Which Numero is ocho. wild to think about. Mm-hmm. And I guess on that note, if you guys like what we're doing with book club. Let us know yeah. if you want to see us um, format them any differently. Um, I don't know. Maybe more conversation, less discussion of the actual like content yeah. of the book. If there's something that you would like us to look at, like specifically when reading a book, let us know so we can kind of like direct it a little mm-hmm. bit more. Because right now we're just reading and picking out what stands out to us. But if mm-hmm. there's something that maybe you look for when choosing a book, let us know. and We can kind of try and put that in as well. Yeah. But now that we're eight months in, we figured now's the time to ask for opinions. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Almost a year. Yeah. But yeah. All right. We'll we'll get into it. Mm -hmm. Um, Our book this month is The Courage to Be Disliked by Ichiro Kishimi and Fumitaki Koga. Yeah. Apologies if I butchered that. Mm -hmm. As we know, I'm not the best with pronunciation sometimes. Yeah. So (laughs) with this book... Um, it was written originally in Japanese and then it has been translated into English. Mm-hmm. So when you're reading it, it is kind of obvious that it was a translated book. So just kind of keep that in mind. But overall, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting that the format of the book is um, conversation. Yeah. So it basically just follows one entire conversation divided up into five parts. Um, all that discuss the concepts of Adlerian psychology. Mm-hmm. So Adler, um, his theories like emphasize the importance of overcoming feelings of inferiority and gaining a sense of belonging in order to achieve success and happiness. So a lot of his um, principles are very socially embedded, holistic, subjective, self-determining, goal-directed, and they're also very philosophical. Yes, extremely philosophical. Like it's very like chicken and egg and yeah. young grasshopper and just very like very much so yeah yeah i definitely was not prepared for like the layout of this book because it literally mm-hmm. you could turn it into a play so easy because it's like philosopher xyz youth response philosopher xyz mm-hmm. youth whatever so it's literally written as a script for the like 280 pages or something it yeah. is which i actually really liked it was like with yeah. this kind of book, that's a necessary thing to do it because a lot of the questions that the youth asked, I was also asking. Yeah. So I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Like all self-help books mm-hmm. kind of need to be written this way where they bring up every single like, like not con, but like argument against whatever you're saying. So that yeah. then you have to like go further into explanation to kind of like, yeah, explain and support your, um, your point. Yeah, I was curious. I wanted to ask you about that. Mm-hmm. I, I figured as reading it, I was like, oh, Jordan's gonna either gonna love this or hate this. Like, yeah, we've, re- we've been very good at not talking. <laughs> we've been busy <laughs> before recording now. <laughs> yeah. And so much we wanted to jump in and see like how you were doing and what you thought of it and mm-hmm. all that. Because like at the beginning, I was definitely like caught off guard. Yeah. Because uh, but I'm so used to reading scripts anyways, like having acted in the past that I was like I actually really like this and then the further I got into it and the more that my questions were aligning Mm -hmm. with what the youth questions were I was like 
oh no like this is awesome actually mm-hmm. like this is great like i wouldn't want like a fictional book yeah. per se to do that when i first started it i was i, I thought that i was like oh well, how is this gonna mm-hmm. go but then it, it did it, it made it really good at answering the questions because adler's theories are so um outside of what we know like yeah our they, society is very freud based yeah and they, freud is very cause and effect yeah where adler is like the study of like purpose yeah it's very much um it challenges what you believe and what mm-hmm. you've been taught and so you just you have to read it with an open mind but it's a lot easier to read than i was expecting oh i flew through it in a sense yeah like toward they they use a lot of big words and some of the sentences are like very confusing so you do have to be like thinking in order to like fully grasp the concept of the book yeah but it's still written in such an incredible way yeah 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 so um as I, as i mentioned earlier the book is divided up into nights um in five sections pretty much and so yeah it's supposed to be like the youth left and then he came back another night to continue the conversation mm-hmm. and that's how they they broke it up i almost think <clears throat> that like because i really want to read it again just so i can like fully understand it because i really like what he was saying yeah just taking like reading the first night and then taking like a week or whatever to like fully ruminate and understand and think about it and then mm-hmm. come back like the youth did in the book like taking yeah. those breaks i think is very very beneficial especially with the amount of information that was in this book yeah so if you especially if you want like a yeah a full-on understanding mm-hmm. of it i personally don't feel like i needed that mm-hmm. i feel like i had enough um baseline with psychology like i had we've talked about adler before yeah but i never really dived into it the same way mm-hmm. and so for me coming back to this it was just like taking another psychology course yeah like i did, so, like i did take breaks when i was reading it but that mm-hmm. was just um I'd get busy and have to put it down or whatever. Yeah. But when I read it again, I'm going to take the just so I can like practice living what he's trying to say, you know, like yeah. instead of just like the first time I read it was this learning. OK, what is this book even about? Mm-hmm. And then the second time of like more of putting it into practice and actually like fully understanding to the mo- like to the extent, the highest extent that I can kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. All right. So the first night is labeled deny trauma starts off strong that's what i was gonna Holy. ask you about <laughs> when i yeah. saw that first chapter i was like oh no jerry's gonna shut down i was like <laughs> all right <laughs> um you're really gonna need to explain that <laughs> i guess imagine you flip me to the first page and be like good <laughs> i no, i literally didn't i like saw that the first night or whatever was called deny trauma and i was like and then the third like section in there was trauma does not exist and i was like <laughs> we're gonna need to be real open-minded for this <laughs> but he redeemed himself right like he i'm that's, so glad to hear you say that because i was so ready for the barricade like shut down no, i'm closed it was so yeah because that's i was just kind of like you gotta you need to but we were we were recommended this book by such a reliable source yeah that i'm like there has to be something in it for them to recommend it to us definitely i even reached out to her today i was like i just finished the book omg yeah (laughs) but yeah so like deny trauma um that's just a hot topic but what they're saying is not that like trauma doesn't exist you can still experience traumatic things 
but you shouldn't let that trauma define who you are and how you go forward. Yeah. Accept that it happened and that, yes, it like maybe made you who you are, but don't use it as a crutch to hold you back and mm-hmm. live your life of, oh, I can't do that because I have trauma. Yeah. And so that's where he he starts by um, or they start by differentiating teology versus etiology. And so etiology is the study of causation. And then teology is the study of purpose of a given phenomenon rather than its cause. So that's where you're saying, like, that's where the difference is. Like, if it was Freud, it would say, I'm like this because of my trauma. Yeah. Versus I had this happen to me, so maybe I'm like this. But it it separates you from the traumatic event. It doesn't, you don't absorb it as a personality trait. It Yeah, basically, it's just like the trauma was in the past. So let the past be in the past. If you continue to let the trauma, like... You're never going to heal from your trauma if you continue to have it, mm-hmm. like, interrupt your present, right? Yeah. And then you're going to bring it into the future. Yeah. And so one of the examples that it, I thought they did a really good job explaining this is on page 11, so it's right off the jump, and it said, your friend doesn't want you, want to go out, so he's creating a state of anxiety, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize how many um, Adler's perspectives that I, I do hold mm-hmm. myself. Because yeah, same very much so i've been like that my entire life like i i don't i'm not depressed but i have depressive episodes mm-hmm. so i've never wanted to make depression like a part of my personality yeah and that's very much similar to what he was saying with the anxiety right mm-hmm. your friend his in- interior motive is actually he doesn't actually want to go out but for whatever people pleasing and i don't know whatever other excuse they they yeah. want they then turn to anxiety because it's easier to say oh i'm having anxiety so i can't go out rather yeah. than i just don't want to do this yeah thanks but no thanks yeah you pretty, know pretty much yeah yeah no it was very interesting um with the whole like um denying trauma mm-hmm. um the author is very the correctly articulate or whatever articulate in saying that like he is not saying the experience of the horrible calamity or abuse during childhood or other such incidences have no influence on forming a personality. Their influences are very strong. But the important thing is that nothing is actually determined by those influences, and we determine our own lives according to the meaning that we give those past mm-hmm. experiences. So whatever meaning you hold to that trauma, that's how that's going to affect you mm-hmm. in the future or whatever, right? And that's where you can um, see in sibling studies mm-hmm. for example right two siblings that are abused one then becomes an abuser and one then becomes a, a police officer to stop abusers yeah right it's how you process that and then move forward right mm-hmm. if you make it a personality trait and absorb it as something and ruminate on it mm-hmm. that's where it kind of comes into the whole it's it? not, not, not toxic positivity chronically negative that's mm-hmm. where i think a lot of chronically negative people arise from is because you're holding on to this negative feeling state experience Mm -hmm. for what rather than letting it go yeah and i feel like especially with like sibling studies like that where two Mm -hmm. people experience the same kind of upbringing or whatever and then one person is like oh i can never be more than what my abusive parent told me so then they only do that whereas another person is like i'm not going to i'm gonna fight tooth and nail to make sure Mm -hmm. that i am nothing like that person who Mm -hmm. abused me kind of thing yeah and so it's that kind of thinking that you can kind of change how it you you can't change what happened Mm -hmm. but you can change how you move forward with it how you react to it basically yeah um another example like of adler's perspectives 
the youth gave an example that he yelled at a waiter because the waiter spilled coffee on him. Mm -hmm. And the philosopher in the book says that to fulfill the goal of shouting, you created anger. And the youth is like, oh, that's BS. Like, what do you mean? Mm -hmm. And the philosopher then kind of asks, like, what other circumstances were leading up to that event that got you to yell? And the youth admitted um, that's the one thing about the script is that it's very, very literal. You would never have yes. this nor- in a normal conversation, mm-hmm. but it's what you need to process these concepts fully. Yeah. But the youth is like, I was overstimulated and the coffee shop was busy and I was late and I had a bad day. Yeah. And so the philosopher is like, well, you wanted to yell mm-hmm. and then you then used the waiter spilling coffee on you to use anger as an excuse to yell. Yeah. So to fulfill the goal of shouting, mm-hmm. you created the emotion anger. Which is a really interesting way to think about that. To create the emotion, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can relate to that very well. Where I like I feel pent up emotions, blah, 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 whatever. And mm-hmm. so then I create, not scenarios, but like I can blow something out of proportion so much. Just so that I can have that intense emotional like outburst kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I totally understood what he was talking about of like making that anger just so you can get your point across and have an excuse to shout. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. So when you have these events, you need to start considering that the root issue is not a personality trait, but rather a viewpoint and that you can change your viewpoint. It's that's where the whole optimistic side of holism Mm -hmm. comes from is that you are not one thing that, that happened to you. Yeah. You can change it and your, your whole being is not dependent on, one bad day on that one yeah exactly so yeah yeah basically he talks a lot about how like your passion control you like um you need you should move forward or whatever um one thing that i thought was really interesting is that um he says lifestyle is the tendencies of thought and action in life so how you see the world how you see yourself can kind of um impact how you live your life Mm-hmm. in a sense which i thought was like really interesting yeah um i don't know that i have much more to add to that but it's basically just like your personality is made up of your lifestyle mm-hmm. which is made up of how you view yourself and how you view the world yeah and we'll get into that um some more he gets dives into more detail about what the world means mm-hmm. um in adler's terms uh so the second night is all problems are interpersonal relationship problems. And that is one of the core concepts behind Adler's yeah. thought. Yeah. Um, the whole premise of this meaning is if it was just you and the universe, you would have no problems. Yeah. Because you don't know what a problem looks like. Yeah. Problems are socially construct. Con- are a social construct. Yeah. yeah. Social construct or socially constructed. Yeah. <laughs> just <laughs> social constructed. Yeah. Um, and... Therefore, they can be changed and altered as well. Yeah, exactly. I really I like this idea because once you hear it and then you understand what he's saying, it's kind of like, well, duh, like, (laughs) yeah, obviously. (laughs) But like, it takes you a minute to get there, right? Like, um, he's basically just like yelling at us to stop playing the comparison game because, yeah, like if it's only you in the world, it doesn't matter. You have no one to compare yourself to. So how you're doing is just fine. Yeah. So try and like live your life like that, even though you're in society kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
one of the the youth kind of in this chapter starts bringing up how he hates himself mm-hmm. or they hate themselves. I don't know. Yeah. It's just youth. One hates themselves. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of ones like I had to reread a couple sentences just because I it was like one lives yeah. blah, blah, blah. But I was like one lives. One, what the one what is this, heart. What is this trying to say? I hate the English language. Oh my god! Let's get together and feel all right. That's Literally, funny. I was like, okay, I don't get it, but yeah. So I definitely, if you struggle to read the English language, this book is going to be maximum difficulty. Um, but the philosopher, I, I wrote down this quote that the philosopher said to the youth, mm-hmm. and it says, "You were so afraid of interpersonal relationships that you came to dislike yourself." You've avoided interpersonal relations by disliking yourself. Yeah. Which is the whole, like, similar to the anxiety, similar to the anger. You didn't want to do this, so you created this Yeah, as a scapegoat out of it. Yeah, you used it as yeah. an excuse to not have to put in the effort and to not have to do the things. Yeah, which yeah. I think is seen very mm-hmm. often. At least I see things like mm-hmm. that very often. Yeah, which very, very much so is frustrating <laughs> yeah no doubt because you're like you you can do it just stop using that as a crutch yeah like um in this chapter he also kind of goes into like the feelings of inferiority and superiority complexes mm-hmm. that was like really interesting to kind of read about because that was a lot of that's a roller coaster to like mm-hmm. understand that one is yeah a lot because it's like you built yourself to be superior because you feel inferior and it's just this whole yeah but it's just like you can't you have to walk the line Mm -hmm. of like not feeling inferior not feeling superior because both are bad yeah in a sense where he's like yeah superiority complex is basically just like people boasting about things but they actually have no confidence themselves it's all a facade um and then when you're complaining about like having so many issues you're just like you're doing it to make yourself feel special yep. kind of thing. It was, yep. yeah. It's like you're on a teeter-totter and you have to stand in the middle and not let two glass vases break on either end. Literally, it's so <laughs> difficult. I was like, okay. So that is really interesting to hear about, mm-hmm. like, even because you, a superiority complex, when you think of it as, like, a complex, you're like, okay, yeah, there's negative connotations with that. Mm-hmm. But most people want to feel superior. Yeah. But then he talks about how that's an issue later on. Because that dives into the ego. And it also dives into, like, vertical versus horizontal relationships. Yeah. Which he talks about later on, which was just bonkers. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into it. Yeah. But with vertical and horizontal, I'm like, what can I do? I have so much to say. <laughs> so much to say. But yeah, he kind of goes into more of, like, life is not a competition, and it's good. It's going to be good to... Er, It's just as good to be constantly moving forward Mm -hmm. because a healthy feeling of inferiority is not something that comes from comparing oneself to others. It comes from one's comparison to one's ideal self. So instead of playing the comparison game with other people, play the comparison game with yourself. Like, oh, am I better or worse than I was yesterday? Mm -hmm. Oh, do I like that? No. Okay, well, I'm going to change so that tomorrow I'll be a better or worse version. Hopefully better. Um, (laughs) the goal is better (laughs) the goal is always better but sometimes worse happens so yeah he was just sometimes worse happens put that on a shirt (laughs) literally the goal is better but sometimes worse happens yeah um but yeah so he's just kind of like as long as you're moving forward and trying to better yourself that's fine compare yourself to who you were yesterday and to no one else yeah essentially did you pick up on um his baby reference in this section 
Maybe. They mentioned that the uh, strongest person in our culture is the baby. Yes. Because the baby's rules cannot be dominated. The baby rules over the adults with, with its weakness. Mm-hmm. And because of its weakness that no one can control him. Yeah. Which is a wild concept. But also, I see it. Like, it makes sense. I see that a lot um, with cats. <laughs> um, because there's I the like cat mom. <laughs> there's the, the thing where, like, we're like, oh, you are my pet. You are my animal. I own you. Blah, blah, whatever. But then cats are like, peasant, you scoop my shit out of a, a plastic box. Like, yep. I'm the alpha here. Like, you think you're protecting me, yeah. but I actually have you wrapped around my little finger. So it was the same kind of thing where they're like, oh, like, I'm so, like, meek or whatever. Like, I can't do whatever. But, like, you feed me, you water me, you clean my poop. Yeah. But you're not the alpha. Yeah. I'm the alpha kind of thing. Yeah. Even though alpha is maybe not the best word for that. But that's what I thought of is Mm because there's a whole bunch of memes of, like, cats are actually the rulers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's because in Adler's, like, perspectives weakness can be quite strong and powerful so it's mm-hmm. just showing that that even the smallest frailest things mm-hmm. that might not have superiority might be more powerful than someone yeah. who does have superiority yeah and i think with that it's kind of a fine line because you don't want to be like oh i'm just a weak poor old soul whatever <laughs> I'm just a baby. yeah like you don't want to like <laughs> make yourself weak so that people protect you <laughs> But I think what he's trying to say is that it's okay to be vulnerable. Yeah. That vulnerability may, like might be a form of weakness, but it's also a form of power. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, and then with this one, this chapter, he also talks about like two objectives for behavior. Um, so you need to be, or you want to be self-reliant and to live in harmony with society. And so this there are two objectives for the psychology of that behavior, which are I have the ability and people are my comrades. You need to know that you are able and that people are your friends in order to be self-reliant and live in harmony with society. Because if you're constantly viewing everyone else as mm-hmm. evil, mm-hmm. it creates a ton of issues. Yeah. Um, and then. And this is where he kind of touches on the revenge state or he then moves into revenge state. Mm-hmm. And so on page 81, it describes the youth, which I think is necessary for describing revenge state a little bit better yeah um so the youth raised by his strict parents he had been oppressed and compared to his elder brother ever since childhood none of his opinions were ever heard and he was subjected to the violent words that he was a poor excuse for a little brother unable to make friends even at school he spent all of his free time alone in the library which became his sole place of refuge this youth who who had passed his early years in a way was truly an inhabitant of etiology if he had not been raised by those parents, if that his elder brother had never existed, if he had not attended that school, he could have had a brighter life. Mm-hmm. The youth had been trying to participate in the discussion as cool-headedly as possible, but now his many years of pent-up feelings came bursting out. And that's how they start the next um, section. It's like from power struggle to revenge. So the child oppressed by his parents will then turn to delinquency. He'll stop going to school. He'll cut his wrists or engage in other acts of self-harm. In Freudian etiology, this is regarded as simple um, cause and effect the parents had raised the child in this way and it is why the child is so withered um or the plant wasn't watered so that's why it's withered it's an interpretation that it is certainly easy to understand but adlerian theology does not turn a blind eye to the goal that the child is hiding 
That is to say, the goal of revenge on both of his parents. If he becomes a delinquent, stops going to school, cuts his risks, or things like that, the parents will be upset. They'll panic. They'll worry themselves sick over him. It is in the knowledge that this will happen, that the child engages in a problem behavior. So the current goal, revenge on the parents, can be realized not because he is motivated by past causes, home environment. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's very much of like a how could you do this to me? That's why my life is like this. Like mm-hmm. I wouldn't be so blah, blah, blah. If you didn't do this. Yeah. It's like, okay, but okay. Okay. But <laughs> okay. You, you also have the power to change yeah. where you're at and what you're doing and where you go with your life. Yeah. But those two descriptions for me really just hammered in what Adler's perspective was mm-hmm. with that example. It was, I had to read yeah. that over a couple times. Like the, mm-hmm. um, the revenge stage description I just did. I had to reread that a few times because yeah. I was like, whoa, whoa, But he described it in Freud's terms and then Adler's terms, and that's what I liked. And that's, yeah, that's mm-hmm. what makes sense. And then um, he brings it back at, like, the end of the book where he talks again about, like, why children, um, um, words left me, why they start engaging in problem behaviors, but it's, like, to get attention to feel special and with the revenge. It's, like... They feel special by causing the revenge on their parents or whatever. And it's just they act out for attention. Mm-hmm. And there's an author, Jody Carrington. Um, she's a Canadian psychologist who goes around. That is her whole like premise is that kids who engage in problem behaviors are aren't feeling seen. Yeah. So what can you do to help them feel seen to kind of halt this problem behavior? Yeah. And so I have one of her books that I'm going to read and see just what it's like. But it was very interesting to see the parallels there. Yeah, definitely. And then finally, revenge stage melts into life lie, um, which is one is running away from one's life tasks by saying it's the fault of others or the environment. Mm-hmm. And so, again, this is the whole deflecting blame. Yeah. Um, You're not taking accountability. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have other motives that you don't want to do it. And- exactly. It's never your issue. Yeah. Everything happens to you. I know a handful of people that are like that. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, but he kind of ends this chapter with a quote that says, it's not what one is born with, but what use one makes of that equipment. And that is kind of, he uses that quote in the first chapter, deny trauma. Mm-hmm. That's, um, but I've missed it in that chapter somehow, but um, mm-hmm. that's basically what he's saying. It's not, doesn't matter what you're born with. Mm-hmm. but it's what you do with that that mm-hmm. really like yeah shows who you are you can't change the objective you can only change the subjective yeah so yeah and then the third night is discard other people's tasks so that's kind of like mac briefly mentioned like life tasks life lies this kind of gets more into um what those are this how did this chapter feel for this you is very enlightening okay because the people pleasing side of things yes yeah but also with like his kids um like the kid examples where it's like yes you might want to help them do this but they're the only people who get the rewards or the punishments mm-hmm. so stay out of it yeah it's not your battle to fight like yeah. if your kid doesn't want to study how it doesn't affect you in any way mm-hmm. shape or form mm-hmm. because they're the one who gets the bad grade they're the one who fails the grade they're the one who does this they're the mm-hmm. one who has to stay after school in detention right like it doesn't it's not your burden to bear. Yeah. Do you think this will help you, like, not helicopter parent? Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. It's going to be very difficult because it's like, oh, <laughs> I see the answer. It's right there. But it's also like, no, you're never going to learn if I do it for you. Yeah. So. Definitely. Yeah. Which is kind of it. I also really um, enjoyed 
his reward and punishment education on page 117. Yeah. That was kind of really interesting. The whole premise of that, it's like, if no one is going to praise me, I won't take the appropriate action. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's literally like, okay, but... Mm -hmm. Like, I'm only doing this for the reward. And that describes extrinsic motivation, mm-hmm. right? And but you want what you want is intrinsic. You want to yes. do things that fuel your soul and not because you're going to get a reward from it. That's a good way to explain the end of this book, because he talks about how, like, you feel your purpose from contributing to others. But that's an intrinsic motivation versus, like, getting reward, which is extrinsic motivation. I was tr- I was struggling I knew the difference, but I didn't know how to explain it in words. Yeah. But that's it. Here you are. <laughs> yes. <words>. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. It's just like, yeah, well, the reward and punishment is like, yeah, if I don't get a reward, then I'm not going to do it. But also, if you're not going to punish me, then I'm going to do some bad things as well. Like, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um. But yeah, he goes on to say, like, mm-hmm. he gives. I don't remember where he goes with this, but it's like do it for yourself kind of thing. Yeah. So I have a quote here that is just screamed people pleasing to me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's intervening on other people's tasks or taking on other people's tasks turns one's life into something heavy and full of hardship. I have that same one. Yeah. <laughs> that made me think of you mm-hmm. so hard. Yeah. I was it, like, dirty, please. That, Cause that's how it was at work as I was mm. taking on everyone's like burdens and tasks and whatever. But that was like, no, you don't actually need to do that. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessary. And uh, when I was reading that, I was like, oh, like, was I doing it for external praise or whatever? And it's like, mm-hmm. yes, partly. Yeah. But then further on in the book where he talks more about how, like, gratitude mm-hmm. is also something like that's an acceptable reason to, like, do things for or whatever. Like, even just a simple, like, thank you. Yeah. Can cause intrinsic motivation and make you want to do more things if, like, oh, what I'm doing is actually beneficial to you. Yeah. That I really resonated with. Yeah. Like, that's all I want. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah. Please and thank yous. Literally. Um, what Journey touched on earlier is that the, the child um, example is in the book that talks about the busy mom has to rush the kids to get to school. So the mom just ties the kid's shoe for for it. Yeah. Because when you're in a it's rush, faster. that's what you got to do. Yeah. But doing that over and over again, like repetition of intervening on a child will cease. Well, repetition of intervene, intervening mm-hmm. will cause the child to cease to learn anything and lose the courage to do tasks. Yeah. Which is very much what I think I'm seeing now with kids too. Mm-hmm. Like when I worked as a day camp leader, kids didn't want to do shit yeah. for themselves. Yeah. And I'm not trying to be this boomer being like, hey, we're not kids these days. Like, but it's the helicopter parenting. It's like, I'm going to do everything for you because no one did anything for me, mm-hmm. which is then moving the spect- like the pendulum to the other side, which is not any better because you have decision paralysis and yeah. no one wants to do anything because they're paralyzed. I guess. Yeah. Paralysis. And what's so but. funny with that is I feel like we're definitely really transitioning out of that. So I think with the kids you would deal with, they were raised in the mom does everything for you because she's in survival. Yeah. But the kids below that now. Yeah. The moms are like able they focus more on like a Montessori upbringing where it's like kids can do things. Yeah. They can participate. They're equal like yeah. people in this household kind of thing. Like they're they're not below you. They are equals. So treat them as equals and like mm-hmm. whatever. And I have here that I'm like, um, 
separating tasks, but then letting the other person know that even though it is their task, that I am there to help if they need. Yeah. So be like, it's your job. But like, hey, if you need help studying or if you need me to create a quiet atmosphere for you to study and if that's beneficial to you, by all means, I can make that happen. I'm not going to do your homework for you. But take the initiative Mm -hmm. and create that environment for yourself. Yeah. Right. And yeah, if that's something that you find that you need, then it is yeah. your job yeah. to let me know that that's something that you need yeah. kind of thing. Definitely. Yeah. There's um the youth in this chapter made a comment that I thought was fascinating mm-hmm. and it, it brings on God. And mm-hmm. so the youth said God is watching might serve as a criterion for des- self-discipline. If one were recognized by God, maybe he didn't need the rec- recognition from others. Mm-hmm. What did you think of that? That's w- what religion is based on. Yeah. Instead of focusing on, and they use God as an extr- a form of like ext- extrinsic, intrinsic motivation. It kind of because it's like mom is watching, big brother's watching. Yeah, someone is always good. watching, so yeah. do good. But you're not doing good because you want to do good. You're doing good because oh, if I don't do good, I'm going to hell. Yeah, right. So it's still the reward versus punishment. Yeah, thing, which yeah, because I was very intrigued when he brought that up, but I'm like, no, it's very much. Um, the same. Yeah. It's, like, yeah, if you're using God as a guide for core values and whatnot, then that's one thing. But yeah, yeah, using God as a reason, like I'm, I'm good today, so I'm not going to hell. Yeah, it's and like, that's, uh, yeah, that's that's such an. Oh, but I'm just gonna say this, and then we're gonna move on from religion. But it's okay. like, use it as like. If you're religious, use whatever he says, blah, 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 as a foundation, but do good because you want to do good, not because you're afraid to go to hell. And that's something that I'm trying to do is like, okay, I want to do this, but I still will pray. Yeah. I'll still ask for guidance or whatever because it's comforting to me. Yeah. But I'm not going to go out and um, hate gay people because the Bible says so. Yeah. That's not the book. Doesn't say so. So also that's another issue. But like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like. I still have my own morals, even though someone else's yeah. interpretation is different. I feel like that was a very roundabout way. I have a clear image of what I want to say. Words are not coming to me. So that's fine. <laughs> we'll move on. We could, yeah. Uh, the last point that I have here from this chapter is reward oriented way of thinking has intervened on another's task. Mm-hmm. So people pleasing. Yeah, pretty much. So, yeah. The last thing I have, it was just a question that I, I just don't understand. Um, the philosopher ends this chapter with a story about how he moved from like people pleasing to kind of living for himself mm-hmm. and but it was the word he had to hear his father say thank you and then he was confident that their relationship was healed and blah 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 and so maybe it's going to like the gratitude part that comes later in the book mm-hmm. but to me it was like you your relationship wasn't healed even though you tried to live as though it was until you heard those words so you still were dependent on someone else to give you the like confirmation yeah that it actually was and it kind of felt very like hypocrite like not hypocritical but like contradictory to what he was saying up until that point yeah i don't know if i'm just like being super nitpicky but i would like to talk to the philosopher and be like is this not exactly what you said you shouldn't do yeah because if you truly believed you, it had healed then those thank you words wouldn't have meant anything yeah or they would have meant less or i wonder if you just or, use thank you as like the final release yeah point. is it the fact that it was gratitude and yeah. you felt a sense of oh i'm contributing versus him being like yeah actually i like you we're equals now yeah kind of thing i don't know 
Yeah. For me, I read that more as like a release point because I have a few people where they said or did something. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, okay, yeah, that's it. Like, I'm. Yeah, that's the. I'll let closure. that go and yeah, yeah, close that door. Yeah. So that it doesn't affect you moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I was reading it as like also that, but what he said felt more like um he. <laughs> you shouldn't need that final thing yeah. to move on. So I was just, yeah. I was just curious. I would just like to. That's fair. And that's where, it gets, that's where it gets very philosophical, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't, everyone, it's all social experiences and emotions mm-hmm. and interpretation. Yeah. So that's why there's no clear cut path of for everyone's story. Yeah. Which he talks about in. Um, Fascinating. Yeah. Crazy. Okay, so the fourth night, which is where the center of the world is. Mm-hmm. Um, this one talks a lot about, like, your relationships with other people and who you mm-hmm. are in the world kind of thing. Mm-hmm. The first quote that I have, it's not the beginning of the chapter, but it says, um, if it is one that can break down just because you raise an objection, then it is not the sort of relationship you need to get into in the first place. Finger snaps all around. Oh my goodness, scream that from the rooftops. Like, <laughs> if you have a relationship... Open up the window. Literally, you scream at those construction workers. Because <laughs> it's so true. And I find no. that, like, yeah, if you're in a relationship with someone who cannot handle you, like, asking a question or raising an objection, then, like, it's not beneficial to you whatsoever. No. Whatsoever. No. Yeah. One thing I want to comment on is that in in Adler's perspectives, community is goes beyond the household, school, workplace. Mm-hmm. He also includes plants, animals, and inanimate objects in community. Yeah. Yeah, community. Yeah. Which goes back to everything has a vibration mm-hmm. and everything is connected and the holism side of Adler's yeah. theories. Yeah, very much so. And it's in this one that he talks about horizontal versus vertical relationships. Mm-hmm. So vertical relationships is the like tyranny or hierarchy, I guess, where it's like, oh, you are my kid because I am your mom and I am better than you because I'm the mom and you're the kid. Yeah. Whereas horizontal relationships is where like we are people. Yeah. We're at the same level. Our opinions both matter. Our feelings both matter. We are the same. Yeah. And so trying to switch from vertical to horizontal relationships is very tricky, but it's also very, very important because if you, it just helps you feel better about yourself in a sense. Um, you're low on the hierarchy of things, then mm-hmm. your opinion doesn't matter or whatever. And it can, it can kind of shift how you view yourself to be like very negatively, obviously. Yeah. And then, but if you're in a horizontal relationship, then you're like, Oh no, like I feel good about myself. Like I matter. It's okay. Whatever. You also matter. Like I'm not no better than you, but I'm mm-hmm. also no worse than you. Yeah. So it just releases the fact of like they are who they are. They're going to do what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. Yeah. It what d- they do doesn't matter to you. Exactly. Right. And if it matters to you, figure out why it matters to you. Heal that. Move on. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Very much so. Uh, people who hold the belief that they are the center of the world will lose their comrades, like guaranteed. Yeah, just because the whole and that's where the whole problem with vertical is, is that if you think you're at the top of the pyramid, you're the I don't know, king of the world. Mm-hmm. It's not gonna make anyone feel good. Yeah. Right. Unless you are you're, have a bridge between another top of another pyramid. You're literally just like, being an asshole. <laughs> like if you're the top of the pyramid, you don't treat anyone who's below you nicely. Right. Like that's 
What's the, what's the, I'm the king of the mountain. And oh, I'm the king of the castle, and you're the dirty rascal. Yeah, yeah. there it is. Yeah. Wow, that <laughs> came out of nowhere. I thought of that a long time. <laughs> yeah. Right, but yeah, it's just, um, yeah, very interesting. And then he also talks about with that encouragement instead of praise. Yeah. Because he's still on that idea of like separating your task and reward versus punishment. Yeah. And so instead of like praising, encourage. Yeah. Because being praised is what leads people to form the belief that they have no ability. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's decision paralysis. And exactly. Yeah. And so by encouraging, you are helping the other person learn that they do have the ability. Oh, I can do this. I do have all the tools in my toolbox that I need Mm -hmm. for this. Like promoting the intrinsic motivation. Yeah. Um, He says here, I just want to read it. Um, The discussion of community feeling had become more confusing than ever. One must not praise and one must not rebuke either. All words that are used to judge other people are words that come out of vertical relationships and we need to build horizontal relationships. Mm-hmm. And it is only when one is able to feel that one is of use to someone that one can have a true awareness of one's worth. But <laughs> with that, it's more of like a, it's the intrinsic motivation of yeah. like, I am contributing to this instead yeah. of like putting your worth on um, people pleasing, basically. Yeah. 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 Like I'm doing the podcast because I want to do the podcast, not because Michaela depends on me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah. Very much so. In our concrete example. Yeah. Um, he also does a very good job in this chapter. I don't have any notes on it, but I just remembered, um, recognizing that the people like stay at home moms and people who are doing what I'm doing, stay at home girlfriend shit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> literally that their work is just as important as the breadwinner yeah that staying at home and making sure laundry is done and food is made and the kitchen is clean and all of that and that the house is happy and thriving that is just as important as making sure that there's money in the bank account and i was just like dude yes because so many people are forgetting that being a stay-at-home mom is hard that these are other tasks that need to get done, that it's difficult to do if you have a full-time job and you can't do them, that they should also be recognized as equally important mm-hmm. as doing the corporate life or whatever. And so mm-hmm. he does a really good job of, like, screaming yeah. that from the rooftops. Well, and the, another example of that, too, like, outside of stay-at-home, the world needs garbage men and the world needs lawyers. Exactly. Right? You. You can't just have an influx of lawyers and no garbage men. That's something that he talks about in one of the earlier chapters is like, Mm -hmm. yes, the world also needs those shut-ins because, his words, not mine, who they, um, just in case it's offensive, I don't know, um, who don't do these things because they they might go out and buy a piece of bread, but like the bread goes to the grocer, it goes to the employee, or the money goes to the grocer, to the employees, it goes back to the farmer. Like Mm -hmm. they're still doing their part in society. Yeah. You still need society still needs them to function. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. For a symbiotic ecosystem. Mm -hmm, Exactly. That's pretty much all I have for four. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. All right. So the fifth night is to live earnest in the here and now. Which big words, but that's it. <laughs> Just kidding. Looks bad. <laughs> Book done. Yeah. That, that's it. That's all we got. <laughs> See you later. Yeah. So the first point that I 
picked up from this um, section is affirmative resignation. Mm -hmm. So one ascertains the things that they can change and the things that they cannot. Yes. So you can't change what you're born with, but you can change how you use it. Yeah. That very much goes back to that phrase that he repeats throughout the book. Mm -hmm. Um, I find it very interesting how he talks about self-affirmation versus self-acceptance. Yeah. Because he kind of shits on affirmations. Yeah. And I was just kind of like, okay, but he's like, you're lying to yourself. Yeah. And it's like, well, yeah, but you kind of got to gaslight yourself into believing some things sometimes. Yeah. But what he's saying is you need to accept yourself for who you are right now and the tools that you have right now in order to, like, fully love yourself or whatever. So he says... If you get a 60 out of 100 on a test, instead of going, oh, well, I should have got 100. Like, I know everything that I needed to know. Like, that's how that should have happened. Instead of being like affirming, like, I know 100% of the material instead of actually like working for it. Um, he says, okay, I'm at a 60. What can I do to get to 100? Yeah. Like, what kind of effort and work can I put in to do that? Because who I am right now wasn't able to get 100, but I'd like to be someone who can get 100. So accepting mm -hmm. the fact that you're like, Oh, I might just be a 60% person, but not letting that hold you back, you know, like, yeah. well, that, that shows the, um, the fluidity, like mm -hmm. you're not stuck where you are currently. You can move. Yeah. Very much so. And with ease. Yeah. Um, on page two, 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 of course, mm -hmm. I liked how self-acceptance is accepting one's irreplaceable. This is me just as it is. Confidence as others is to place unconditional confidence in the base of one's interpersonal relations rather than seeding doubt. Yeah. The young man found these two concepts sufficiently convincing. Contribution to others, however, was something he was, could not quite grasp. If that contribution is supposed to be for other people, then we would have to be one of bitter self-sacrifice. On the other hand, if contribution is actually for oneself, then it's the height of hypocrisy. Uh, this point has to be made utterly clear in a resolute tone of voice. The young man continued and then yeah, kind of went with that. But that for these next few topics, because it does talk about self-acceptance and then confidence and then, but you have to contribute to others and you can't come off too confident. Otherwise you become ignorant. And yeah, that was the, I think I skipped a few parts before reading this bit, but that helped me wrap it all up. I like, I Very much like, so. Mm -hmm. Like, I like how there's, like, sections in the book that ties it all together. <laughs> yeah, they kind of just, like, summarize the main points. Yeah. Yeah. Because there were some times where I was like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> like, okay, uh-huh. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Got it. Because there's, just, like, so much information being thrown at you that you just need, like, one sentence that just, like, summarizes it. And with that yeah. one, it's really good because he does touch on, like, if it is supposed to be, like, contributing to others, it's like, oh, well... It's the kind of like, oh, I shouldn't be living for others. I should be living for myself. But like in order to feel worth, I need to have some sort of intrinsic versus extrinsic motivation is kind of yeah. he's dealing with that. Yeah. Um, another thing that I just wanted to touch on is as long as you are looking with doubt in your eyes, you're going to see it pretty much. Mm -hmm. um, his example was a cheating partner. If you think your partner is cheating, whether or not they are, you will find evidence that they are cheating on you. Because you are going to make anything that they do look like they are cheating on you. Yeah. So that's just an example. But it's the same kind of thing that we've talked about in other episodes where if you only focus on the negatives, all you're going to see is negatives. Yeah. Kind of thing. Vibrations. Vibrations. But no, I'm, I'm kind of working through that right now, too, like with seeing someone now. Mm -hmm. Building that trust. Yeah. Scary. Yeah. 
that I've been shit on so many times before where it's like, oh yeah, I can trust. And it's just like, absolutely not. And so yeah. wall goes up and you kind of break down those walls again and you're like, is this okay? And it's so hard to like not put yeah. the actions of other people in the past onto this person. Yeah. It's, yeah. And I know it's not fair because mm-hmm. we talk about psychology. We basically have therapy sessions. Yeah. Once a week. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Almost a year now. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like when you move into these things now, like I don't know if you're finding it, but I found that just us talking about these things, just mm-hmm. two girls on a couch with minimal knowledge and literally. a computer. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> it's already done so much more than just me existing and thinking that I know everything. Because mm-hmm. coming into this podcast, I listened yeah. back to our first few episodes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. Like, I can come in. I'm an expert. Yeah. And very shortly, like, after starting this, I'm like, oh, I'm not an expert. Yeah. And I've got some more shit that I thought was good. Mm-hmm. It's not good. Yeah. And that's yeah. what I like about this is that we do our own research. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and we're constantly learning, like, with our audience and with our listeners because yeah. it's like, yeah, we're passionate about these things, but it's like, mm-hmm. okay, I might not know everything about it. So you do the research to learn more about it and kind of grow with it, which I really like. Yeah. But, like, before reading the whole, like, um, you have to heal and otherwise you would see everything. Mm-hmm. Eight months ago, I'd be like, yeah, duh. Yeah. But now I'm, like, I'm actually hearing the words and mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Part of me's like, yeah, duh. But. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you're like, yeah, I did know uh-huh. that, but you're actually, like, hearing it. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hearing it. I'm practicing it. Because mm-hmm. otherwise I could go, like, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. But that's not me. Yeah, but I don't need that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So no, that's really, that's huge growth. Reading the book now, yeah, it's a lot of. Uh, I once was the youth, where I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I know this. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and now I've I've fallen more into like the philosopher side. Where, I mean, yeah. it just happened with like all my schooling. Where, as you get more schooling, you realize you know nothing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, okay, <laughs> yeah. This podcast has been like very humbling <laughs> in a sense because you're like, oh, I have issues. <laughs> But it's like, it's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you recognize that you have issues and move to move forward to kind of work on them, you know? Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, which is so fun. Yeah. Uh, the ne- the, oh, go ahead. I say one of the sections in here is that being a workaholic is a lifeline. Yeah. I need to hear that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More than once, I need to paint that on my wall, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he also, this is where he talks about, like, um... Work does not mean having a job at a company. Work in the home, child rearing, contributing to the local society, hobbies, and all manner of other things are also work. Yeah. Companies and such are just one small part of that. A way of living that acknowledges um, only company work is one that is lacking in harmony of life. Yes. And I was like, oh, how validating. <laughs> how validating. Yeah. Because he even talks about somewhere in here, I wonder if I have it highlighted, but he talks about how, like, you have to be lost in order to find where you're going. Like mm-hmm. on the road to like mm-hmm. finding your purpose or whatever, you need to be lost. And it's so satisfying to hear that because I'm so lost <laughs> with my first episode. Literally, I was like, this answers find your why. <laughs> telling me my why. I was like, this is amazing. We're just a week behind. Yeah. She's like, this is perfect. <laughs> but yeah, it was so good. And then, the, sorry, there's just one more quote about yeah. um, dancing. He uses, the title of the section is Live Like You're Dancing. With dance, it is the dancing itself that is the goal, and no one is concerned with arriving somewhere by doing it. Naturally, it may happen that one arrives somewhere as a result of having danced, 
Since no one or since one is dancing, one does not stay in the same place, but there is no destination. And he was Beautiful. just kind of like, as long as you're moving, you're going to get somewhere. Beautiful. And that's, yeah. Loose back to what Graylin yeah. talked about right back in November. Yeah, no kidding. Wow, way to tie it all together. I know. Graylin's so smart. <laughs> yeah, don't tell him I said that. Um, but yeah, basically, he just wants to be like, people are my comrades. The world is a wonderful place. Life in general has no meaning, but what you you can assign meaning to what your life is going to be mm-hmm. and that's the most important part and with this book read the afterword mm-hmm. um i almost didn't but oh my god read the afterword yeah yeah but that is pretty much um the curse to be disliked yeah did you have any other profound statements no i like i highly would recommend this book i really yeah. i really enjoyed it i really think that the Concepts talked about within the novel are so necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, people need to hear it. Yeah, I feel like what we're lacking in society is what's in this book. Yeah, just some more Adler, less Freud. Mm-hmm. Freud's so doom and gloom. Yeah, we need to focus Adler. on, like, you have the power to change your life. If you don't like where it's at, change it. Yeah. And it's very interesting because Bryce, I want Bryce to read this book because a lot of what he says to me when we're talking about things could have been written in this book. Yeah. I was like, how do you know that? You haven't even read the book. <laughs> uh, yeah but oh, i yeah. love it good book club mm-hmm. 10 out of 10 would recommend yeah i would definitely recommend it mm-hmm. very much so yeah so all right that's it for today mm-hmm. um i'm mac joy i'm it's juice we are sometimes do slaps on all social media platforms our website is sometimes do mm-hmm. um if you like what we're doing here if you just like us give us a like yeah it helps us out <laughs> yeah feeling feeling generous give us a subscribe mm-hmm. um a follow a rating a review all of it we appreciate it all yeah um can't believe we've done eight months of this i know right uh next month we are doing a book about dreams that i'm blanking on the title of i don't know you haven't told me the title at all <laughs> i have it in my notes as dream book <laughs> yeah so it said dream book will be posted on our instagram mm-hmm. as the announcement and our website exactly yeah well, and um if you want uh to see what we say about this book we have a book club episode or um web page on our website we also have an affiliate link uh web page on our website for mm-hmm. any links to any of our affiliates yeah and that's it yeah see All you right. next tuesday bye <laughs>